0: Today on CityCast Chicago, happy election day, my friends. By tonight, we may know who will be leading the city as voters cast their ballots in the runoff elections for mayor and city council. But between voter fatigue and low turnout, we're wondering, do our elections need rebranding? Lead producer Carrie Shepard and producer Simone Alisea are here to talk about that and how some other big Chicago rebrands came to be. It's Tuesday, April 4th, I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is What Chicago's Talking About. Carrie, Simone, how y'all feeling this morning?
1: Fine, how you doing?
0: I ain't out here complaining.
1: Happy election day. It's election day.
0: I love the fact that the three of us bring very different energies to this day, because uh, in, in my world, the election's never end, right? Today is going to be the fourth time in less than a year that us and our neighbors have gone to the polls and will be back at it in 2024. Simone, how has turnout been thus far?
2: Yeah, so the early vote total as of Sunday night, um, just over 150,000 people have cast votes so far. Um, that- equates to about nine percent turnout, which is about the same compared to where we were in April of 2019 Um, and not too far off from from 2015's runoff either. I think that one was a little bit more at like 11 percent.
0: And what did the voter turnout by the end of sort of that first round in February? What did that look like?
2: Yeah. So this in February 28th our the last time we were at the polls, um, voter turnout was about 36 percent. Not an amazing number, not you know, we don't like to see that kind of number, but it's not totally off from what we've seen in municipal elections over the years.
0: I, I want you to give me a, maybe a little context or or because when you see 36 percent, right, it really depends on what you're talking about. Because, again, we talk in sports, we talk to a three point shooter. If you hitting 36 percent of your three point shooters, you one of the best three point shooters in the league. If you <laughs> getting 36 percent of my public speaking class at DePaul, that's an F. Right. You, you it failed. So when we think about voter turnout, I don't think anybody expects 100 percent of eligible voters in any place to show up at the polls. But like 36 percent compared to general elections, elections, you know, just, you know, the history of our turnout. Where does that put us?
2: Uh, So I think I would think about it this way. Right. So when we talk about voter turnout percentages, that's how many votes cast out of the total number of registered voters. The total number of registered voters is already like that's not everyone of voting age or who has who's eligible to vote. Right. We know that not everyone who's eligible registers to vote. So if you think about it as like a third of just the people who took the time to register to vote are the ones who turned out. That's less than a third of Chicagoans making a decision for the entire city.
1: That sounds bleak. <laughs> like that. <yes. laughs> it
0: really does. And there are plenty of reasons, right? Voter turnout is what it is from, you know, People not being excited, voter disenfranchisement, people are busy, right? You know, get taken off in the middle of a a Tuesday when you got work isn't convenient for every single person. And early voting is still something that a lot of people are just kind of getting used to because they just all they know is you get up on Election Day, you go stand in the lines. Um, And so I feel like there's also this common story about the Democratic machine stifling turnout. And we know that throughout Chicago's history, the Democratic machine has always been interested in getting their voters out. (laughs) But Simone, you found a story that say, particularly when we look at when our elections are taking place, that that might not actually be the story behind that. Can you kind of catch people up on that Chicago history?
2: Yeah, I had this question ever since moving here, which is just like, why on earth do we hold our city elections in February and April? Like, why? Mm -hmm. Why do we do this? Why do we hold them in a cold to rainy? Yeah, it's just it just seems like a recipe for disaster. And people generally said the assumption was like, oh, that's because the machine you know, they want to control who's voting, they want to suppress turnout. So they're gonna put it on the coldest day of the year, uh, on a Tuesday, you know, in an odd year when you don't have other like big federal elections, right, that are driving turnout like we've seen. Like that's that's probably what's going on. It's some kind of some kind of corruption thing.
0: Um, that's the reality I've kind of mostly accepted and, and subscribed too. to yeah. It's like make it inconvenient for people. They right. won't show up.
2: And I think that's a it's a sort of an easy thing for for Chicagoans to believe, given our history. But back in 2015, WBEZ looked into this um, and tried to figure out, is this actually true? What's the actual origin of this, you know, of the date of our elections? And as it turns out, that's not really it at all. Um Chicagoans have been voting for mayor in February going back as far as 1837. The long story short is that, you know, the the sort of February, April system stems from like a progressive reform that was trying to increase voter turnout.
1: But what was that argument and how that would increase voting then? So we assume we made the assumptions whether all this other thing keeps people. Why did they think, no, actually, this will increase voting? Voting So turnout. the date sort of wasn't even considered in terms
2: of okay. whether that was going to increase or decrease turnout. There were other issues okay. with Chicago elections um, having to do with the way the primaries worked. And there was an issue of party bosses sort of picking candidates and that kind of thing. So what, had, what they created in the early 1900s was an open primary, which meant... You know, Democrats and Republicans had open primaries where any candidate could run. And the voters actually picked who went then on to the general election in April. In the 90s, we switched that to a nonpartisan runoff system that we have now. We don't have party primaries and then a general election. Um, But that was those were the reforms that were created and that codified those election dates as part of that.
0: And so we don't want to just focus on uh, sort of low voter turnout because I think one of the things that keeps both of you very optimistic during this time, and it's something that I should probably subscribe to a little bit more, is though even though voter turnout is low, I think one of the things that is really cool during election season is just looking at how many efforts there are both local citywide to organize people to get out and vote uh and carrie you've looked at some of those efforts that that community members neighbors organizations in the city have put together Uh, what are the few of those that have sort of inspired you during this very 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 long election season
1: well for one thing jacoby i do think um There is a responsibility of us as journalists, the media, for getting out, um, getting people to vote and getting them the information they need. We've all experienced this. Uh, I think we've each had a story in this campaign uh, during this election season where we're like, with an Uber driver, someone we just meet, they're like, "Wait, who's running?" And we're like, oh, "Okay, mm, so yes. Uber driver, yes.
0: people." at the, I've been asking more and more people, just like, "Are you familiar with that? We're in an election season, just exactly. to make sure I'm not in a bubble." And the amount of times I've heard, "Nah, nah, who who running?" It then it makes you feel like you got extra work to do. All right, yeah, I know it ain't exactly. Monday through Friday, but uh, all right, here we go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a it's a seven day a week job, right? You know, Simone and I a couple months ago, we, the tribe, our friends at the tribe, the publication that covers black Chicago, they did an event to really inform voters. They did this on the near West side. The group Chicago Votes was there. Chicago Votes is, you know, they they canvass. they go around. They're at colleges. They're at CTA stops wherever they're going to see. The most people to tell them, OK, here's how you vote. This is not here's who you vote for, but this is literally here's how you vote. But I think that's really important because even me this election season, I had to double check twice. Wait, can I early vote at any location or does it have to be in my ward? So those are all I think those are just efforts we have to keep continuing Um, as far as the candidates go. It's pretty standard that they spend the Sunday before Election Day um, out at religious... Pray over by
0: some some black preachers.
1: Religious services. Religious services, but also not just at um, services, but usually they'll hit up like breakfast and brunch spots for people who go out after um, to eat. So both uh, Paul Vallis and Brandon Johnson, I think the Sun-Times reported, they kind of even like crisscrossed each other like, hey, I just left this church. I'm going into this church. And, it, you know, and that becomes a question of who they're courting, um, which voters they're courting. And there was an interesting uh, study out by Northwestern last week. Black registered voters are pretty decided. Fifty five percent have decided or leaned toward Johnson versus 28 percent favoring Vallis. White voters are pretty split um, between Vallis and um and Johnson, which leaves Latino voters, right?
0: When you think of like the majority, right? There are others, but you mean when you think of like those big the blocks. Majority,
1: the voting blocks, exactly. So 40, 46% vote favor Vallis, 35% uh, prefer Johnson. And a big interesting part of this uh, study from Northwestern was that one third of Latinos actually think Vallis, maybe Latino. So he's making sure people are clear on clear on his Greek uh, heritage. But uh, the Chicago Board of Elections is encouraging people, if possible, to vote early in the day because the weather is supposed to get bad. And we saw very bad weather this past weekend. So you don't want to get stuck in a situation of uh, it's either between uh, getting home safely or going to vote. So if possible, vote early today
0: one last thing on elections before we move forward right we talk about uh well what do we do to improve these numbers what do we do to invigorate youth voters does our elections need a rebrand let's move fast through this i want to get each of you what do you think is one thing we can do as a city to just give our elections a little bit of new invigoration so that when we get back here, that maybe we're not looking at the the same kind of numbers. Simone, what do you think something we have to do to to rebrand our elections to bring more people in?
2: I have so many opinions about how our election should be run (laughs) to (laughs) increase turnout. I think, uh, you know, it's tough to kind of imagine this right now in our current system again, because we've got this general runoff system. But what I would really like, frankly, is... To have mayoral elections, line up with the presidential election. You want to get the most voters to turn out, go to where they're already turning out. They're turning out in presidential years. Again, a little bit complicated because of the way we run our elections, but I'm sure there are smart people who could figure it out.
0: Uh, C. Money, what do you think would be something that our city needs to do, our state needs to do to just get more people involved?
1: I do think Election Day should be a holiday. I agree with that, that you should have off work, you know, you get... Jury duty is an excuse, you know, is an excused absence from work or school. So should voting be. I was thinking, like, should people who work for the city, should they be required to vote? And then I felt like that got into a weird gray area of like, but is that maybe not democracy then? (laughs) But also just something Chicago Votes told Simone and I. It is also about education, the young, like starting really young and explaining to, to kids like, yes, we all know about electing a president, but actually your mayor, your state legislature, like they actually do have maybe more of a role in your day to day life, um, Exactly. your county officials, you know. So it's I think it's also about, you know, civic education.
0: Mm-hmm. I think if you pair maybe moving the date in terms of in line with larger presidential elections, you make it a holiday, really invest in sort of off campaign season education. But I also think automatic voter registration.
2: Yeah. I think you should be mm. automatically yes. registered
0: to vote. When you turn 18, I also think maybe they should consider the the age, but I think automatic voter registration. And if you need to change your address, then you can take that next step. Um, but I think that would just provide people with uh, just sort of a, a, a less, less barriers, less steps, um, so they can just sort of get the job done.
2: I mean, the real radical thing, right, is if you could vote from home. Right? If you Come on. get on a website, I was website, gonna go there, but I'm like, we a... get
0: them other things straight first and <laughs> vote from the crib. I'm trying to vote from the crib. Speaking of another notable rebrand, over the weekend, you may have seen a lot of reports about a, a sort of special 20 year anniversary here in the city of Chicago, and it's the rebranding of Meg's Field. If you're hearing that, you're thinking, what the hell is Meg's Field? Uh, then then we're here to explain it to you. Uh, about 20 years ago, there was an airport on Northerly Island, the park that sort of is adjacent to Lakeshore Drive, down there where the Adler Planetarium sits. Uh, and for I wanna say over what was that, maybe 40, 50 years, it served, right? Uh, private jets. Uh, 50, U.S. Yeah, dignitaries, some presidents, yeah. right? Uh, commercial flights were able to come in there. And uh, the thought of Chicago having a third airport right next to the lake um, was, was sort of this this uh, really interesting story for so long. But not everybody was a fan. In the 2000s, as the lease was expiring, Daley had always wanted to turn Megsfield into a 91-acre park for Chicagoans to enjoy. Uh, but he couldn't necessarily get the approval for it. Uh, and then he sort of made this unilateral step. Carrie, do you remember when Daley sort of made this decision to to move forward with the future of Megsfield?
1: Well, Richard M. in the Megsfield destruction is a big story in Chicago politics, but it's actually even before my time, Jacoby. Not much, like a <laughs> couple of years maybe, <laughs> but it is even a couple of years but no, it's I do I do know it because it's like so emblematic of the power of Richard M. Daly. Um, It was something that people would say like, ah, okay, it's now he's acting like his dad, Richard J. Daly, in that he bulldozed it in the middle of the night. And there's this great WTTW vintage you know report from that time in 2003, and there's literally an air traffic controller pulling up to work, and he's like. I didn't know I didn't have to work today. I just pulled up and now there's no, like, I didn't yeah. know. Nobody told me. And then there's a classic um, daily press conference after where um, he's sort of like, no, we could do this. We're allowed. It's uh, city land. Mm-hmm. His lawyer, the city's lawyer comes up, no, nope, city land. We didn't have to tell FAA. We told him after.
2: We didn't have to tell him before. I will say, though, this kind of behavior is why people think our election date being in February is a corruption right. thing. <laughs> Like, this, everyone just right, assumes right, that right. when there. people
0: get power the way they will, and again, it was no secret in the mid-1990s that Daly was not a fan of Meigsfield. At its height, it served about 60,000 flights a year, but it notably lost a ton of money. And also, uh, because of where it sits in the lake, it was constantly dealing with erosion. And so Daly thought that the land would be better used to be this park unlike any other park in the city. And then... From about 2003 to 2015, this is where the rebrand really starts. But as many people have seen over the last eight years, people don't think it's realized the vision that <laughs> Daily Emmanuel and even park advocates have had for it. I mean, sure, there are a bunch of rare birds there. There are over 150 native plants. But I need to ask y'all straight up. Simone, you been to Northerly Island?
2: I've never been there, not once. Nope. Uh, I- I, I find it so difficult to navigate.
0: I have since gone to Northerly Island. There's a concert venue back there, but when there are no concerts, when it's not in season, it's just sort of chained off. And it has this, it kind of has this really ugly feel to it. It just feels like this makeshift concert venue. Carrie, have you been out to Northerly Island since it, it became this sort of nature reserve?
1: I have been to Northerly Island a few times where yes, that you have to, like, ride a divvy because otherwise there's no way to get up there. So, um, no, this is... Northerly Island is not a place uh, for which I, I think to experience nature when i <laughs> in the city, especially because we have such beautiful parks and we do actually have access to a lot of forest preserves. So I don't spend a lot of time out there, no.
0: <laughs> and so, uh, again, let's get back to does Northerly Island need yet another rebrand? And I, And I'm thinking the answer is yes. Right now, the city has said, you know, regardless of what the Bears do, if they stay at Soldier Field, if they move to Arlington Heights, Soldier Field and the surrounding campus is likely over the next few years to go through some redesign efforts. And that may have an impact on Northern Island in this sort of rebrand where they move the amphitheater out closer to Soldier Field and they truly invest in. Realizing this 91-acre park for the nature preserve that it can be, Carrie, if you think they move the concert hall away, really invest in sort of this campaign to bring people out to this island, do you think that'll attract more people out there?
1: I do not, but I, <laughs> I did just think I was gonna ask you what you think love it should it. be. I was, gonna, and then as you we were talking, I was thinking, what if we recreate? The World's Fair on Northerly Island, like is this go. historical? They tried. They, tried. No, they hosted like, it out
0: there in 1933.
1: No, I mean like do don't like do a historical recreation like they do with those old timey towns. Like you, oh my god, like, god. Sort of oh. like a live Night- like permanent yeah. 1883 historic World's Fair that you and can you just can, like hey, you can oh visit it and kids can. Kids can learn the history of it, and kids would go on field trips there. Oh my god! I am god, not interested
0: in visiting 1800 nothing. 1800 no, no, no. Chicago, 1800 nothing. I just mean like I the, love I love buildings. how quick people love to talk about time travel. I just love it. They're like, oh my god, what if we just like recreate this idea to 1800s. Where are the black people going to be? <laughs> yeah,
1: Where they right, going to be no. at?
0: Where they going to be? <laughs> I just, just think the
1: architecture. <laughs> yeah, no. Totally, we, we, get,
0: totally. we, we could do we could do sort of a a a, a sort of uh, what they call colorblind casting, thinking of Hamilton. Right, right. We, exactly. we colorblind cast it.
1: Otherwise, oh. <laughs> my other choice would be turn it into like a Miami beach and make it just a super posh <laughs> island of hotels and resorts
0: <laughs> that no one can afford. What do you think they need to do, Simone? Especially somebody who just got here. You, you probably don't see it in the marketing materials. I'll
2: be honest. I'll be honest. I don't really care what's out there. Just some signage. Better signage would be helpful. <laughs> like, how do you actually get from point A to point B? Where are the bike paths? Packs. What's the parking lots? I, I don't even think y'all need to do all that. Like, just just give me some signage to tell me what's there, where I was supposed to go. <laughs>
0: Now, one last fun thing before we get up out of here today. We've been talking about rebranding of our elections, rebranding of uh Island. But we did an episode about the rebrand of an invasive species here in Illinois, the Asian carp. It got a new name last year, Kopi. And so the City Cash Chicago team came together. Simone went down, met the Kopey plug, picked some up grilled up these big Mondo burgers for us. Uh, you know, we had our opinions. You can go back, we'll we'll drop the episode. But Simone, it's been a year. How is the Kopi rebrand going?
2: Uh, not as well as it could be.
0: Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. The long, and,
2: long and short of that. The State Journal Register uh, ha- did a story sort of checking in with some fish people about kind of how this is going. And the moral of the story is like customers are still a little hesitant to buy it. Like Asian Mm. carp, it's still got kind of that Asian carp stank on it and people are like am I supposed to be eating
1: this right <laughs> we're not supposed to be eating this <laughs> that's stanky, and not just fish stank. deadly right? invasive actually, stank. I should say
2: I should say the fish <laughs> is actually very very neutral and does not have a fishy smell at all uh, But it does,
1: uh, not. it does not you're true this is true yeah
2: and some of the other problems too is like we still don't have like some of the processing elements on the business side to like kind of get mm-hmm. this out to restaurants so we like still not seeing a bunch of restaurants serving it customers aren't like you, still can't find, like, you still can't find it at Jewel or whatever. So it's just kind of been a slow mm. roll. Um, some of the the folks that um, were quoted in this story just said that, you know, we would like to get some more support from the state on this rebrand. I'll admit, I haven't eaten any kopi since we tried it last year. I have I, not. But I think if I went to a restaurant and it were on the menu, I would probably try it again. I just haven't encountered it in the wild, so to speak.
1: I was going to say, how much, how many, how much? How many times have you cooked fish at home, anyway? Right. Like, so, but like y- you know, I feel like it's one of those things, and I'm I I do like fish. I, it's just easier to order when you're out.
0: Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that's really holding it back is that it sort of just hasn't gotten that that mainstream bump from like your grocers, your restaurants. It's plenty available, right? right? It's the it's in the name. It's a copious amount out there, and it has been. Again, this goes back, uh, you know. 30 years in terms of when we realized that Asian carp was becoming this huge problem in our waterways. Uh, But, you know, the people who are pushing it and not just marketing firms, places like uh, Carter Fish Market, they're saying it's, it's the perfect fish for you. It's tender. It's flaky. It can be seasoned up to taste like taco meat. You can use it for fish fries. None of us have eaten it in the time since. But I don't know if you listened to that episode. I wasn't convinced any of us would eat it by the end of the episode, and it's not because it wasn't good. Shout out to Simone. Simone did her thing with it. It, it just, you know, I it feel like good. exactly what this article saying. We had our sort of uh, preconceived notions, and it doesn't sound like any of us have shaken them uh, a year later. I
2: don't even have the notions. Like I don't. I'm I'm totally open to it. I would just like to see it uh, you on agnostic. menus more. You just... I would. That, that's all. Like for me, it's strictly about convenience. That's all it is. <laughs>
0: I want to give another huge shout out to our lead producer, Carrie Shepard, our producer, Samal Alisea. Thank y'all so much for, for stopping by and, and talking with your boy today. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Before I let you go, I want to just give you one last reminder to get out and vote. Encourage the people in your life to vote. Uh, if you're looking for a last minute election guy, head over to our daily newsletter, Hey Chicago, at chicago.citycast.fm. We're going to be in your inbox and your feed a little bit later tomorrow morning to make sure you get the latest from the polls. Hopefully, you'll join us. Peace. Oh, my God, you guys.
1: Maybe we should edit this out so we can do this ourselves and make all the money <laughs> off of it. <laughs> Maybe we should not give this idea away. Copyright City Cash Chicago. <laughs>